And I don't know about you, if you have your favorite Old Testament story, we've been cranking them out every single week, and you can get online and hear some of the great ones we've already had. And we'll continuing this all throughout this month, and maybe even a little bit into August. It'll be a great time for you just to interact, and hopefully you've been diving a little bit back into your Old Testament, and maybe reading some stories or revisiting those old Sunday school stories, and uh, having a great time with that. We definitely believe that God can speak through anything, especially the Old Testament. And uh, we're going to learn that story, especially today, as we hear God's voice speaking through a very strange and unique character. There is, you, you guys ready for a pastor joke? You've heard dad jokes. You ready for a pastor joke? Okay. There's this pastor joke that the pastors get to say that says, if God can speak through a donkey, then he can speak through your pastor, right? I'm so glad you guys laughed at that one. Sometimes that doesn't deliver, but I'm glad it delivered today. So we're going to dive right in today. And I got me thinking, as we're going to talk about Balaam and his talking donkey out of Numbers chapter 22, you can open up your scriptures if you want to read that. You can find this on our Bible app, the Version Bible app, and the events page pulls that right up, all those notes for us today. Um, but as we talk about this, I thought we'd talk a little bit about what are some famous donkeys, okay? So what, these are some of the famous donkeys. We have a first donkey. There we go. You guys know this one, right? Everyone knows this famous donkey, right? Uh, that's the, the donkey is not the green one, by the way. Just to let you know. Uh, and then the, the second one is this. Everyone, Gus, the field goal kicking donkey. Remember that movie? No one remembers that movie? The, thank you. Saved me from that one, all right? I remember watching that. How about Dominic the donkey, the Christmas, Italian Christmas donkey? Come on. My favorite Christmas carol. Uh, it's awesome. And then finally... Oh, Eeyore, our most pathetic, depressed donkey, right? Uh, isn't it funny that donkeys are often portrayed as stubborn, depressed, have emotional issues, um, unlikely characters, unlikely heroes? Maybe that's you today. Maybe you are, can, can identify with Eeyore, uh, hopefully Eeyore and not Dominic the donkey, right? Uh, but it's a, it's a great opportunity. So we're going to read a little bit about this story, but let me kind of set the stage. So you have the end of the, end of, uh, the book of Numbers, and the, the Israelites have left Egypt, and they've worked their way through the wilderness, and now they're entering into the promised land. And they've come up kind of on the west side of the Dead Sea, and they're going to cross the Jordan right at the very first part of the book of Joshua. But the book of Numbers talks about how they're wrapping wrapping up this campaign of movement, and they've just defeated the Amalekites, and they're working their way up into uh, the area called Moab, which is just on the west side of the Dead Sea. And as they enter into this area, the king of Moab catches word that they have arrived, and he starts to freak out a little bit. He freaks out because he remembers all those stories of what delivered them through Egypt, and how God provided for them. And he remembers that they had just defeated the Amalekites, and he's worried that his troops, his armies, his land will be taken over by these Israelites. In fact, he's worried even more about that. He said, what if they settle here? What if they take over my land? If you've ever been to modern-day Moab, which is modern-day Jordan, and in that area it's completely arid, there's not a lot of crops that grow. You can imagine the Dead Sea isn't the most fertile body of water. And so there's not a lot growing there. And he's worried. He said, they're going to come in. They're going to eat what little crops that we have. We have to do something with this. We can't defeat them militarily. But he gets this great idea. And he gets this idea, I believe, from the, what he remembers delivered Israel through so many troubles leading up to this point. 
But what had done it for them was God, right? Jehovah, Yahweh had, had, had spread the Red Sea, right? And then drowned Pharaoh. And as they wintered through the wilderness, God provided for them time and time again. God had made his covenant with them from the mountain. God had given them manna to eat. God had, had given them opportunities, led them through with a fiery per- pillar at night and a cloud during the day. It seemed like they were God's people. And, and the king of Moab realizes, if I'm going to mess with God's people, i got to have some gods on my side. I've got I've to work the same power against them. If that's what's doing it for them, maybe I can work this. So he has this idea, this well-renowned, this internationally known soothsayer, this internationally known warlock who lives kind of in modern-day uh, northern Syria, uh, southern Turkey. And his name is Balaam. And he sends Balaam a note. He sends him a bunch of money. He sends him a note. He sends a bunch of people go to him and says, please come and bring forth, conjure up whatever God you want. Work some spiritual negativity upon the Israelites so that they don't mess with us. Whatever you can do. Curse them. Bring up some negative. Bring up some fake news. Whatever you got, right? And, and work it into them. So he sends this delegation to Balaam. Balaam says, no, I'm not going to do this. He seeks out the gods. The gods speak to him. Maybe even the God speaks to him and says, don't go. So he says, I'm not going to do it. They kind of ump the ante. They give him more money, send even more prestigious people to carry them. Finally, he receives word from the, the gods or the God to go. But as he's going, he climbs on his donkey and has one of the most comical experiences you'll find in the Old Testament. And we're going to read the story in just a bit, but uh, my family is in North Carolina today, um, and they wanted to tell you the story of Balaam and the donkey. So let's watch this. There's your sermon. You don't have to listen anymore. Um, my kids know how to preach, right? So, hey, let's read the story of, of Balaam and his talking donkeys in Numbers chapter 22. We got the verses here. You can find them on the Bible app. You can also open up in your Bibles the Matthew chapter 20, or uh, Numbers chapter 22. Here's we go. It says, When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. Now, now Balaam has, has made this travel, and then the angel of the Lord has shown up, and the donkey recognizes him, not Balaam. 
He turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get back on the road. The angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and he was so angry, he beat it with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, so if the donkey talks, make sure you answer it, I guess. You've made a fool of me. If only have I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. And the donkey responded, I am not your donkey, am I not your donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I not been, have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn, so he bowed down and fell face down. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road. Now, if you're displeased, I will go back. Very interesting story, right? I mean, this isn't something you run into every time. Whoever has ever run into a talking animal in general? Any animal, right? I mean, this is, this is a strange story. And what could we learn from this uh, outside the fact that if the donkey talks, you talk back and get into an argument with it, right? Pretty much. Well, there's actually one truth in here that I really believe speaks to me. And this is a hard plus for me, hard point for me to talk about because this really is a struggle in my life that I have had often, often, often. Even this week, even yesterday, I found myself knowing I was going to preach on this, knowing I was going to share with you this particular issue. And lo and behold, I had an opportunity where I had to operate the same way Balaam did and I failed. And here's what happens is Balaam is, is experiencing something. He's a very famous prophet. He's a very well-renowned prophet. He's probably someone who likes to, to be in control, likes to be, likes to be the one who's heard, right? And then all of a sudden, he's a little confused because he doesn't know whether he should go or not go or what he should say or not say because there's this power, this God that seems to be a lot more powerful than anything he could conjure on his own. And he's confused because God is saying at one time to him, go, and another time to him, not go. And he feels out of control. And as he's going out of control, his donkey, who we know has ridden several times, probably been with him his whole life, starts to, starts to act differently than what he wants. And his first reaction in that moment is to try to gain a little more control over the situation. He ends up beating it. And then finally threatening to kill it, even when supernaturally it speaks to him. Now, there's some issues here, and I know these issues are true because, like I said, I experienced them. And here's the problem, is sometimes when we're stressed, sometimes when we feel out of control, sometimes when we feel uh, pressed in on all sides, we react out of our insecurity. We react out of a bad spot within our hearts. And what comes out is never, ever good. And usually, 
what comes out ends up hurting the people closest to us, even though what we're really struggling with has nothing to do with them. This happens, like I said, often to me. I remember one particular time. Mary and I were having a very tough, we were just recently married within a couple years, and she was bringing up some issues that she had recognized in my life, issues that I tried to hide, issues that I chose not to see. And as she kind of mentioned to those to me and bring those up in a very loving way, I felt exactly like Balaam. And you know what I did? I started to, to change the subject. I started to deflect and and I'm ashamed to say, I didn't just deflect, I turned it on her. And I started to point out her problems and her faults. And you can kind of guess how well that conversation went. Even to this day, I have this deep sense of shame because I know I operated at a point of weakness and wickedness just because I wanted to feel better. I wanted to feel in control. I wanted to feel right. You guys, hopefully, some of you, I'm not alone in this, right? So help me out here. You guys are with me on this? Anyone else do this? You don't have to raise your hands. I'm not going to point you out. But uh, I think this is a problem that we have. I think this is a problem that God can deal with. I think it's a problem that we come head on with, not just in our, our lives with our spouses, but with our kids, with our coworkers, with our extended family members. And sometimes it's these brokenness within us. Maybe someone hurt us a while back. And that pain we just never really dealt with. And every time it comes up again in a conversation, we, we lash out, don't we? when we think about that. Or, or, or maybe it's, a, maybe it's a, an own person uh, character default, or maybe it's just flat-out sin that we feel guilty about. Or maybe it's not sin. Maybe it's just that weak part of you that you're ashamed of. Maybe you don't like the way you grew up. You don't like the way you look. Or you don't like the way that you feel. And when that is attacked, when you that is shaken, you find yourself on top of the donkey, beaten and smacking and yelling and screaming whatever is around you. Guys, this is something you see online. This is something you see in our close relationships. And I believe it's something that God wants to heal in our lives and can bring healing in our lives. You know, one of the things that's interesting, if you read throughout the whole Testament, actually the whole Bible, but especially the Old Testament, is God is very, very concerned about the words we use and the what, where those words come from. It's not just about what we say, it's about where our heart is. Do you know that everything you say comes from some place? There's a, there's a reason and sometimes those things are evil things, but all those things process, or hopefully process, from our hearts through our mind to our mouth. I think sometimes I bypass the mind and it goes straight to my mouth. But I think God wants us to realize that 
if we can improve what's inside us, what's going to come out of us is going to be better, is going to be pure, is going to be holy. So I, I did a little study through the book of Proverbs. You want to read the book of Proverbs? The book of Proverbs is kind of like the modern day Twitter. Okay? Little snippets that you could tweet out, you kind of catch little, little quips, little wisdom pockets. And, and I went through all of this. And if you were to take all of Twitter, trending inside of Proverbs would be this idea of the way that we speech. And I put a little video together. We're just going to let this cycle through. You guys are not going to be able to read these. But I want you guys just to soak these up to know that there are 30-some uh, odd verses, probably more than that, that have to do with the way that you speak, the way that I speak, and its impact, not just on the people around us, but on our holiness, on the way that we interact with God. And what we say, what comes out of our hearts, what comes out of our bodies, what, what, what leaves from this place right here impacts our own sense of our connection with God. And I think if we get back to the Balaam story, this is exactly what God is addressing in Balaam. If you read that story on, he looks directly into Balaam and speaks into Balaam and says, listen, you can go, you can go talk to the Israelites, you can go talk to the Moabites, but you're only going to say what I tell you to say. Only open up your mouth when it comes from words that I want you to say. So here's our little understanding of how we can kind of apply this today, okay? Here's our little understanding of how we can live this out. There's an old, old quote, and you know it, and I know it, and it actually was said uh, originally, they believe, by the daughter of Teddy Roosevelt, and it is, if you can't say anything good, don't say nothing at all, right? Don't... Don't say anything at all. So let's break that down. Let's talk a little bit about saying something nice. Saying something nice. And that's the first point. If you're going to take anything home today, there's two points. Say something nice or don't say something at all. To say something nice, let me give you just some understandings of how you might uh, kind of live this out. Say, say something nice. What starts in your heart processes through your mind. Realize that. That you can control what what exits from your mouth. You have a say in that, no pun intended. Choose to see someone's best intentions. Expect that they have the best intentions in mind, not the worst intentions. Start there. When you go to speak to them, a lot of times we see someone and we, we speak from the idea of thinking they're out to get us or they're, they have these negative things in mind. But just say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expect that they really have the best intentions. I'm going to approach it that way. That helps you say something nice. Here's some things that you probably need to be very good at saying to this, especially with the people closest to you. I'm sorry. I appreciate you. Or I'm proud of you. The other thing that I would say that you probably need to enter into a relationship with someone is to say, I see something in you that you can't see yourself. Something good. I think all of us want to say, I see something bad in you. That's not what I'm saying. I see something good in you that you can't see yourself. Those things can help to do that. The worst thing, the worst thing you could ever do to someone when it comes to your mouth is in this moment of weakness is to reach out and attack their weakness. To turn it on them. I can't tell you how evil that really is. 
It's selfish. It's satanic. And all it's trying to do in that moment is to communicate, I'm better than you. You see how damaging that is? Let me say this. Some of you, when you get into a conversation, you really just want to be right. And let me tell you, your desire to be right can break relationships. Yesterday, I was in a, a conversation with someone in our, our local Pokemon Go group. Who here plays, play, plays, plays Pokemon Go? I love Pokemon Go. We've got a great group here in Davison. I meet so many wonderful people. I was out playing Pokemon Go yesterday, and um, someone came up to me, and they started talking about Pokemon Go, and they were flat out wrong. They not only had the wrong Pokemon, they had the wrong Pokemon moves, they had the wrong Pokemon idea, and let me tell you, I don't want to brag, yes, I'll brag, I'm level 40 in Pokemon Go, I know what I'm talking about, and I realized in this moment, I could say, listen, you're wrong, but then I realized, what is that worth? He's saying the exact same thing you're saying now, what is that worth, right? And I kept my mouth shut, I nodded. And I asked them questions to get to know them a little better through Pokemon Go. And I didn't have to be right. I knew I was right. But I didn't have to tell them I was right. I didn't have to tell them that they were wrong. Because I realized in that moment it's more important. Some of you guys are writing, being right, your kids right away from you. Because you have to be right. Some of you are writing your spouse right away from them because you have to be right. And what does it really gain you? Let's say you're in an argument and you win. You zing them. You get them. That's right, I'm right. Boom! What does that do? I tell you what. As a husband to a wife, that gets you on the couch. <laughs> That's all that it gets you. Do you see the importance here? Okay. What do you value in the moment? Do you value being right or do you value the relationship? So say something nice. Say something nice. Let me give you one story about this. So we were traveling down to North Carolina, and Mary is reading a book next to us. The kids are watching uh, videos in the back, so it's kind of quiet, and um, they've got the headphones on, so we can kind of have adult conversations, right? And so we're talking back and forth to them, and uh, back and forth, and, and she's reading this book about conversations that every woman needs to have with their daughter. And she's asking me about um, culture and how we proceed, especially Hannah, who's moving into teenage years, and how we want to lead her and guide her and equip her not only to be a woman, but also to be a woman that, that loves Jesus and wants to follow Jesus and working that through. And Mary took this really weird part, and she's not here today, so she, I could just say this, right? She's probably watching on Facebook Live. <laughs> so I'm going to get a text in just a moment. Stop, stop. Um, she shared with me some of the, some of the things, the struggles that she had in her life when it comes to self-image, when it comes to, um, as, a, as a teenage woman growing up, looking into the mirror, uh, looking at, at culture and what they say about the way that you look. And she looked at me and she said, I don't want you to, 
I don't want you to get, this isn't a way to fill me up or anything. She said, I want you to boost me up. But I want you, I want you to say, like, when you first met me, what were some of the things that you noticed about the way that I looked? And I thought, this is a tough question, right? So I'm like, okay, what do I say here? And let me tell you guys, I won that conversation. It was a good thing. And I turned to her, and it was, it was like this moment where I was able to speak life to her. I was able to, to, to really use what I'm good at, and that's crafting words, to benefit her. And I kind of I get into these moments, sometimes it happens when I'm preaching, where, where I just kind of get into a flow of things, and my words just fly, and some things I don't even know what I'm saying. It's just, you know, I think God steps in and comes in. God was in that moment. And as I spoke life to her, I looked over, and behind her sunglasses, she's weeping. Because I know what I had said had touched some part of her heart. Something happened in that moment, and she was receiving this great joy and fulfillment because of the things that came from my mouth. And I was, I was blown away. I was humbled to think that I could not only have the power to tear her down, but I have the power to build her up. So the people that are close to you, your kids, your spouse, your coworkers, extended family, neighbors, friends, how do you speak to them? Find something nice and let those words come out. Sacrifice your desire to be right and say something nice. But the second part of that is say something nice or what? Don't say anything at all. And I think this is probably more important than ever saying something nice, especially for someone who loves to talk, okay? I have learned so much in situations that sometimes I just need to shut up. And silence is so much more powerful than communicating anything that I want to communicate on that other side of what it is. Here's some, here's some points of what you can learn as far as, uh, as, far as um, where did I put those notes? Right here. Um, don't say anything. Listen to yourself say it before you say it. Okay? Play it over in your mind before you say it. Take a, take a moment and think it through. Better yet, before you post it online, type it into notes or some other kind of app before you put that out online and read over it. One thing, it helps with your bad grammar. So, <laughs> Wait a moment. Don't be afraid to press pause. 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 Always, always good. Another thing that you could do is ask clarifying questions. Okay? In a conversation, chances are you and the other person just want to be understood. So don't waste your words on trying to be right or get your point in or waiting for them to shut up so that you can talk. Ask a question. Try to understand where they're coming from. Hear them. And if you don't hear them, then you say, oh, this is what I'm hearing, you say. You know one who is a great one with this? I can embarrass him. I didn't, didn't tell him I do this. Is Charlie Richards. Um, he, he is a great communicator. 
And when you talk to him, he's not a great communicator. He's a good communicator, but he's a great listener. And he asks questions. He makes you feel like you're the most important person in the room. And I think that's something we all can learn as far as our conversations and, and building others up. Thank you, Charlie. Um, thank you for letting me embarrass you. <laughs> so, Here's how we're going to close this service today, okay? I'm going to read one verse out of the, out of the OT, out of Isaiah. And the band's going to come up. We're going to close with the song. And I want you to, guys, as you process through what you do, I want you to think back to that one conversation, that one conversation that went bad. And maybe even in the moment it didn't feel like it went bad, but you know you could have done that a lot better. You could have said something. You could have not said something. You operated on a point of your own insecurity, your own weakness. You tried to puff yourself up. Maybe you actually tried to push the other person down. I want you to go back to that moment. I want you to live that moment for just a second. I know it's scary. I know some of you are like me, don't want to go relive those moments because it's shameful. But I want you to go back to that moment. I want you to, to hear these verses that God speaks to the prophet Isaiah. This is what he says. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, what you're thinking right now, what you're doing right now, God's got a better way, a purer way, a more life-giving way. And he wants to pass that on to you. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it flourish in blood and bud and flourish. So it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. In other words, he's saying as the, this, the water comes down and it doesn't go back up, it comes down and actually does something. It, it, it does something good, right? It brings forth plants, grows things. Things that you get to see. He said, just like that, so is my word when it goes out from my mouth. When he speaks it, it goes. And it accomplishes something. Something positive. And it will not return empty. But it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which it's set. Some of you need to, to take this and maybe take a, a, a point from Isaiah's life. Earlier in the, in the book of Isaiah, he has this unrelievable supernatural encounter with God. God takes a coal and puts it on his mouth, sanctifies his mouth. Some of you need to do that today. Some of you need to, and maybe even actually physically touch your lips, lay hands on your lips and say, God, this is yours. I want to use this for you. Purify this. I give it to you. I only want to speak good. I don't want to speak cursing. I don't want to bring people down. I got an issue here. I got problems here. And fix this. Some of you need to just take a moment and give that brokenness. Bring that last conversation. Maybe it was years ago. Maybe you could go back in time. Oh, yeah, I wish I would say this. I wish I, I didn't say this. I wish I could go back and say what I wanted to say and not hurt that person. Take that brokenness. Take that 
and let God's word fill that. Redeem that. Turn that around. Hang on his words because they don't return void. They don't accomplish nothing. They do good things. They speak power and truth. So why don't you stand? Let's sing. Let's pray. Let's do the work that God has for our hearts. Father, we pray right now as we sing this song that you would come and anoint the lips of those that offer them to you as a living sacrifice today. Father, as we speak, as we are silent, let your spirit fill both those places. Father, I pray for the individuals today who are struggling, speaking, and acting from their insecurity, hurting other people around them, knowing that that's not what they want to do, but there's a pattern in their life where this has happened. And I pray that right now that they would hand their insecurity over to you. And they would receive from you the love and the acceptance, the forgiveness that you have to offer them. So come now, Father, and speak to us. Say the word. Say the words. Let us hear you. And let your words not return void. In Jesus' name.